0: On this week's, week's episode of Pop Culture Michael Myers returns the to the Multiverse. big screen. Check out more great the podcasts today Star on Citizen one of these awesome affiliate and the networks. legacy of acura. You're listening to a Weebateeks Network, Network podcast. All this and more as we reach our next stop. You're listening to the ESO the PCC Network, Multiverse. your station for all things
1: geek. Don't be alarmed. Quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. I feel like we're going to keep down feels the like opinions the numbers 7 for those on of each Wednesday individual. Morning. Check out all the Don't other geeky podcasts Check over at geeknetwork.com/underourrows because geekiness begins in 3. Welcome two, to the PCC one. Multiverse.
0: And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there being a part of all of our programming. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without Well, the man who wants to be like Akira himself, it is the man behind Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It
2: is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Yo, I think it's Kanida that I would like to be with, or not be with, be like, because Akira is just, Akira's a god, they never actually like solved that in the movie, huh? We'll, we'll get to this, but yeah, Akira's pretty awesome. Anyways, what's up, dude? I'll take that bike. I'll just take that bike. <laughs> but it is going to be a great
0: weekend in pop culture, and we just want to talk about everything we can in the next hour. Not only are we going to talk about the big screen return for Michael Myers, talking about the big crowdfunded game called Star Citizen, want to get everybody up to speed on that one. And we will be talking, yes, later in the show on Akira on his 35th anniversary. I also want to let everybody know that we've got scheduled for today as well. We've got Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast and Mike Faber from the ESO Network. They're stopping by once again to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Those acts that didn't even get blessed for the nomination that should be in already. We're going to share our thoughts on that. Also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's stopping by to talk about Week 7 in the NFL. But first, my friend, it is a great weekend as Halloween, the reboot, the revisited, is coming back on the big screen. It's coming to theaters all across everywhere. This Michael Myers is back. He's got his really just his big knife out to go ahead and and do some damage once again. But back as well after many years to the series is Jamie Lee Curtis. This is going to be not necessarily a reboot per se, but it's ignoring any of the previous iterations of Halloween that came after the original 1970s movies. Your thoughts on on this latest Halloween reboot type deal and the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is returning the role. And plus, there's a lot of favorable reviews out there for this film way ahead of schedule. That was very surprising. It came out for reviews this early. Your thoughts on Halloween as it hits theaters a couple weeks before
2: Halloween. So is it a reboot or it's a I thought it's a sequel, but it's a rebooted sequel. It's a rebooted sequel. They're ignoring
0: anything from Halloween to on and they're basically obliterating that, and just focusing on 35 years after the events of what happened in the original
2: 1970s Halloween movie. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like uh, I like the idea that these older franchises can now retcon, uh, you know, the entries in between. Because wasn't uh, what's his name Neil Blomkamp was going to do that with Aliens, right?
0: Yes, and we are going to see the same thing as well with the next Terminator movie, which is going to take out, uh, like you said, retcon. A lot of those Terminator movies that were really bad or just barely made money or anything of that nature, and just basically retcon a lot of them and just start off and just remember the events of Terminator 2 and then anything else that came after it, just it's been wiped off the face of the earth. Same thing here with Halloween, it's being wiped out as far as anything after the original Halloween movie.
2: That's kind of cool. I like that. That it would actually be interesting to see them do that with the friday the 13th series i would actually kind of enjoy that because i remember those that franchise got kind of ridiculous uh especially with you know jason going into space and stuff yeah i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> oh you know what's weird though like i don't hate that movie nearly as much as i should it's so bad that it's become so memorable and i actually consider it like a, a cult classic cheesy horror movie
0: well, you and I later this month are actually going to pick our top five horror movies. Plus, we're going to get on our resident horror expert, Jason Todd Feinberg from Honey Queen, as well, to go ahead and share his thoughts on the subject. But that is for another day. All right. right now, there is this Halloween movie. Your thoughts on what I talked about actually a few weeks ago in the fact that Halloween was screened before critics not just a couple of days, not just a couple of weeks but over a month before its release date, and it's come out to really strong reviews, which is highly unusual for the horror genre. What are your thoughts on that? Was this a good move? Was this something that you would have done or you would have planned if the movie was already finished that well ahead of time? Do you think that was a smart move by the film company to go ahead and preview and get that start to get that good word of mouth out for Halloween?
2: Yeah, for sure, because... What this franchise has been dead for how many years? I want to say at least ten. Yeah, about that. About that. Um, No, it's a it's a good idea because honestly, like you make something like this and you don't know how well it's going to do, especially in today's uh, today's climate. You know, with uh, people don't really like what slasher flicks that much anymore. There hasn't been one in a long time, and when they do come out, people they don't make that much money. But it's kind of smart because Halloween is one of those franchises where it is you know it is a a a female protagonist and that's kind of what what hits big with audiences these days and a lot of people i think um you know they they know the legacy of halloween but they haven't like gone to s- actually they sit down to watch them so i think that this is going to create a lot of interest not just in this one but in maybe the old ones too which is cool because um you know it, it just shows that there is life in old franchise you know like we said a minute ago with Friday the 13th maybe they can do that I don't know they've been talking for years about a new nightmare on Elm Street but I don't think that's ever going to happen but yeah don't, don't 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 ever say that because when you say it won't happen it ends up happening no it's just I'm I'm glad and they also have the added benefit too of like what being the only or one of the only horror films out in theaters this Halloween so good for them well, when we broke it down, I think there's what, four or five horror
0: films that were only scheduled to do out from September on. And while you guys, you and Jason Todd Feinberg from Honey Queen both hit it on the head with The Nun on how successful it would be, I was laying a lot of money on Halloween, finding success for at least the next two weeks, if not a little bit more, because I think Halloween is going to be something that stays around for a little while because of the name and also because the outstanding reviews it's been getting, it's really done a great job with critics and
2: also looks to be something that's getting a lot of good buzz in social media early on. I wouldn't have just put it out there cold, you know, There, and I'm just kind of just now seeing the trailers for it. But it, it's good that they went out and they they tested it first just to see like how audiences would react because it gave a, it not just, you know, allowed them to see the reaction, but it gave them time to fix anything that they could could fix you know without having to go into major reshoots so i think that's a smart smart business model especially for uh if you're reviving a franchise and not putting something out that already has a good reputation such as like a a marvel flick or a disney movie or something like that like this again like this is a franchise that hasn't been seen in 10 years so it's smart that they did some market research on it before uh officially releasing it and not being able to you know change anything
0: This reminds me a lot of last year, what happened with It. It came out and did wonders at the box office. It has an amazingly high Rotten Tomatoes score. It did extremely well with critics and fans alike. Could we be seeing the same thing here with with Halloween? Because at 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, that is a very, very good score. And especially for a horror genre flick, that especially that since it's because it's not one that just relies on jump scares and more like you said on the old slasher days from back in the day
2: yeah it is kind of crazy you know and and it's again like it has the the benefit of having a female protagonist and you know she's actually pretty badass you know you saw the shotgun in the trailer and she's like (laughs) been preparing for this moment so she's like a the sarah connor of of uh you know horror films so that's that's cool. That's really cool. I, and it's it's a total throwback. And it's something that, you know, if you would have gone back to the first Halloween and watched it and thought this franchise will definitely be around, you know, 20 years from now, no one would have ever said that. So uh, the fact that there's that and that the it's actually scoring well, it's good, man. Good. Uh, you know, like I said, hopefully this will help breathe life into some of the older franchise, uh, other franchises, too. Maybe this will put some momentum behind another alien flick featuring Sigourney Weaver, that would be the dream. So more power to it, man. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to catch it in theaters, but I'll definitely uh, throw some money behind it at some point. My
0: last question to you is you said you will throw some money onto it at some point. Do you think it will garner anywhere near the type of uh, claim financially that we saw from it last year? Because It is not a movie reliant on jump scares. It is more focused on telling a narrative that remembers from years ago and also focuses on other things besides, like like I said, jump scares and whatnot, the old slashing type deal and and things that we remember without hopefully falling into those same tropes that we saw over and over again that almost ruined the horror genre.
2: That's an interesting question because I would – I don't know how I would compare them because they're kind of two different, they're both horror films, but they're two different stories, you know, like, it is more of a, uh, packs a more emotional punch, I guess, and it's meant to, sorry, it's kind of a, uh, emotional and sensory type experience, whereas Halloween is just kind of your straightforward slasher flicks, so... I think that they both do different things and it was one of those movies where like people are terrified of clowns. So I think it it was one of those movies where people were actually kind of dragging their friends or daring their friends to go see it, whereas Halloween doesn't have that yet. You know, maybe it will, maybe another, uh, maybe once it comes out and word, word about it gets around, but I think it was one of those movies that like, it was one of those uh, people... People wanted to go see it. There were teenagers trying to sneak into the theater to see it just because of what it was. And it has such a huge following, especially among uh, Stephen King fans and people who they did a great job of marketing that movie to their trailers, um, posters everywhere. As for Halloween, like I I haven't seen that same type of saturation. So I don't know for sure. I I don't see it making a whole lot of money, but I see it making enough to, uh, you know, maybe. Hopefully keep the uh keep the, the fad going. And hopefully it will revive the
0: franchise. It's now targeting right around a sixty million dollar opening weekend here domestically. And probably well, what looking at maybe like 120, 150 million worldwide in its first few days of release. If it gets anywhere near the three to four hundred million dollar mark or even more, it should be considered a, a big win for Universal because it just accentuates the fact that there is an interest in this type of revisiting and or reimagining old horror properties such as it and now halloween one last thing i want to ask you my friend someone that you've appreciated over the course of time danny mcbride was involved heavily with the writing along with david gordon green who i believe is directing the flick your thoughts on adding that element in there and providing a lot of possible comedy that could actually make it even better for people to watch
2: in between the actual slicing and dicing. See, I think that's really cool because these were Danny McBride is someone who kind of grew up watching these films and he's, he's a big fan, kind of like how uh, Seth Rogen grew up when, uh, you know, watching green Hornet or reading green Hornet or whatever. Uh, yeah, that that's, but that Definitely. didn't work out so well. No, no, it didn't. But it still gives it a a a sense of relevance, you know it it It's able. I think Danny McBride is a good, you know, is, he plays a lot of stupid characters, but I think he's a good person to bring an old franchise into uh, to modern audiences as far as the writing goes. Because you know, like I said, the times are different. You can't just write a movie about a uh, you know a, a guy with a knife and a mask going around and killing teenage girls you know you can't do that anymore you i mean you can but it's not going to do so well you need something that captivates uh, audiences and whether that's from you know comedy or just having a well-written script uh, you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing because you get someone who who is uh you know a veteran in hollywood screenwriting and they're going to stick to the same tropes whereas danny mcbride is a good person to come in and mix it up and hopefully it works out. Um, We'll have to see. We will indeed, but Halloween hits screens for audiences
0: this weekend. Are you looking forward to it? Is everyone out there really want to go ahead and revisit the saga of Michael Myers so many years later and also revisit Jamie Lee Curtis's character as well so many years after the traumatic events of that famous and iconic movie that really just at that time took the horror genre to a whole new level please if you're interested in seeing it please let us know Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos humanity media and game source on facebook and twitter and instagram also you can also let us know if you're not interested if you think this is something that's just a cash grab we want to hear your thoughts both one way or the other either way is just cool by us we just want to hear your thoughts at popculturecosmos. cosmos Coming up next, we've got Mike Faber from the ESL Network and Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast. They're going to share their thoughts on acts that are constantly ignored each and every year that should already be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're going to share all of our thoughts on it coming up right after break. After that, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast previewing Week 7 in the NFL. And, of course, we're coming back on the back end, Josh and I, to talk about... Star Citizen, what is this project all about and why it could be really great for gamers, and of course, a little bit on Akira on its 35th anniversary as well. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance. Giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitoil.com and use the promo code Media10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitoil.com. That's MiracleFruitoil.com. Vitabrace win with it and we're back of the show this is gerald glassford once again from the pop culture cosmos and game source thank you so much for being part of today's program well it is that time of the year the rock and roll hall of fame which i think should change its name to the music hall of fame because they no longer really always represent rock and roll but that's for another day they did announce their nominees for the upcoming 2019 class for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we've actually got included someone else's time besides myself and of course my usual guest for this. It is Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast and also Mike Faber from the ESO Network. Guys, it's great to have you on the show. (laughs) Each year, this is our crying session, everyone. So if there's some men crying up in the next few minutes, (laughs) I do want to sincerely apologize in advance because this is now the portion of the interview where we talk about what bands that were not nominated we think should go in. And I asked the guys already to choose maybe one, two, or three, you know, whoever they feel should be included in the hall of fame. Kevin, I'm gonna hold off on you for a sec because I know you're where you're going with it. <laughs> okay. Mike, I wanna hear your thoughts on exactly who do you think continually gets ignored that you feel should go into the hall of fame?
1: Well, Kevin had actually mentioned Earlier, um, two of the people I think have grossly been, you know, ignored by the Hall of Fame, and they're both from the early '80s. And you know, I'm thinking the Go-Go's, who was the first real power uh, girl band of the '80s. They had number one hit after number one hit after number one hit, and you know, it's just it's just a true shame that they haven't been recognized for that. And you know. I just always thought the Go-Go's were always a lot better than people gave them even credit for. So I definitely think the Go-Go's should be in there. But I also think uh, you guys had also mentioned Pat Benatar. You know, she's the first woman of, you know, new wave music. And, you know, she's she is like Donna Summers was the queen of disco. Pat Benatar was the queen of mtv and new wave you know of that era now and, i have,
0: oh i want to ask you real quick mike on the go-go's if you induct the go-go's would you induct the bangles as well
1: no not at all um i think the go-go's were a much more influenced band than the bangles ever were and the bangles had a lot less hits than they did you know yeah they had manic monday they had you know all the other songs that they did, and you know, they, but you don't hear them all the time on the radio, like you still hear the Go-Go's and, you know, and such, so. I
3: I think the Bangles, the Bangles, if you, if you just add up how, if we're going by hits, which is not the only fair way to judge who gets it. No, not at all. I would say, yeah, I I would say the Bangles probably have more hits than the Go-Go's. I mean, how many hits did the Go-Go's actually have? You know, four or five, but the Go-Go's were first. They were very important in here's this group of young women doing this. They're their own rock band. They were so super important to what came afterwards that the Go-Go's, I'd be fine with the Bengals getting in eventually, but the Go-Go should be in right now.
1: Okay. But my one pick of somebody who actually should be in the Hall of Fame and is not, and you guys probably are going to lead into this anyway i'm going to say mike Nesmith solo should be in the rock and roll hall of fame
3: <laughs> wow you're
0: tra- you're trying to start something mike there I no
1: know you. no my, to- my, my reasoning is he was pretty much the father of the music video and such and you there you don't realize that and a lot of people don't remember that he you know because of the videos he was putting out and you know the his revolutionary with the medium he you know they decided to make him a tv channel based off of that and he was very influential on creating mtv and you know i definitely think for that alone not a, not even saying the work he did with the monkeys or his solo work you know as a musician should he should qualify for being in the hall of fame
3: yeah that so that would not be as a performer even that that would be in one of those those other categories they have yeah for, sure. uh, exactly yeah.
1: Like lifetime lifetime sure. achievement award or something like that. But yeah,
3: they've inducted. There there are DJs and and producers and people who are you know not not the actual performers who are inducted in separate categories. Mm-hmm. One of the things I would say is if
0: you ever spoke to him, I think he would get more pleasure about talking about his directorial career than his mo- monkey's career, or even to an extent his music career as well.
1: Well, exactly. Or just talk to him about his mom inviting, inventing Whiteout, you know. <laughs>
0: I remember that as well. <laughs> so that's some great choices, and that's some great thoughts from um, my from you, Mike. Kevin, <laughs> here we yeah. go. Get the Kleenex out, everyone. Here it comes. <laughs> some adult men crying here. Go ahead, Kevin, on your thoughts on some artists. Yeah, I mean, uh, artists that is that you think should well that you think continually gets ignored that should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
3: I, I think before we get to my personal favorites that are so criminally overlooked i think a, a big blind spot that we still have to point out again that the hall of fame continues to have is metal there're so few metal bands have you know outside of black sabbath the original and then metallica and not a lot more that really fits the metal category beyond a couple of bands have been inducted and when you consider that judas priest and iron maiden and these major major important bands that are never even considered to be inducted. I think that's really ridiculous that those bands are still waiting. So uh, we want to throw out that mention at least that uh, we need more metal in the Hall of Fame. Uh, beyond that, uh, I hope I'm not falling into rerun mode too much from our previous conversations. But there are acts that get dismissed as novelty acts, and we mentioned the Devo. I, I fear used to fall into that category, so it's nice to see them finally actually nominated. But uh, I know that uh, most, if not all, of us on the call right now are huge Weird Al Yankovic fans, and you know Weird Al's been doing this for forty years at this point, and uh, he, you can dismiss him as a novelty act because he is a novelty act of, by design, but so great at what he does, and so and so uh, important and and really a remarkable body of work that I think that if the Hall of Fame didn't take itself so seriously, I think they should let in Weird Al.
0: I agree with you on that. In fact, he does own and possess a number one album. His previous album, I believe, did hit number one on the Billboard charts. And there is no excuse at this point. He's had the body of work now with several hits, several top 10, several uh, top 100, excuse me, several top 100 hits that are out there that he's had over the course of time. And he's revolutionized a a genre that we didn't even know existed before (laughs) he came on, that he's really done by himself, that he's really created for himself, that no one else, no one else has been able to successfully duplicate and may not even after he's gone from the music scene.
3: And then if people think, oh, he just does parodies, how can you get in if you do parodies? Well. Weird Al this year went on tour and said, hey, we're just going to do a stripped down acoustic show, no props, no videos, and we're not going to do parodies. I'm just going to go out and play my original songs. He did a whole tour like that this year and filled up theaters across the country doing it. So Weird Al is not just a parody guy either.
0: And there's a, you know, that is actually just a great assessment. I think he does belong in the Hall of Fame. And I think he's quite forgotten about because the fact that he thinks, you know, that that people think, like you say, he just does parodies, and nobody realizes the you know, tremendous amount and tremendous array of original songs he has. Okay, okay my friend. All right. Are we doing All right. this? All right, we're we're doing it. All right.
3: Okay. <laughs> well, we we uh, we we're, we we are we're on the subject already. Uh, thanks to the the mention of Mike Nesmith, of course. But yeah, uh, it's a tradition now. We have to point out the. The the grossest oversight in the history of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is uh, always has been and continues to be, and by design, because the guy in charge of the Hall of Fame apparently it's his, his uh, lifelong vow is that they shall never be in the Hall of Fame, and of course we think the monkey should be in. <laughs> yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> you're right once again.
3: Come yeah. on boys,
1: it's, you know, a little bit me, it's a little bit you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I must be a daydream believer. What are you gonna do?
3: <laughs> but this is, it continues to just be a, a black eye on the, the reputation of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And again, I like the Hall of Fame. I visited the Hall of Fame this year, had a great day there. And we have a great time uh, watching the concert every year and discussing who gets in, it, it's, it's great but you know, rock is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be goofy, lighten up, let the monkeys in.
0: I'm telling you what, nobody's going to be your stepping stone. That's for sure. (laughs) You got that right. Yeah. I cannot agree with you more. All right. Well, that's some great thoughts. Tell you what guys, it's been great having you on the show, but before we head on out, I want to hear why your shows on both the ESO network for you, Mike, and the Flopcast for you, Kevin are so awesome. Mike, I'm going to have you go off first on why the ESO Network is the place to go for everything geek.
1: You could be a geek about anything, and you could be a geek about art. You could be a geek about fantasy. You could be a geek about sports, nature, the weather, music. How about that? Music you could be a geek about. So, you know, Earth Station One is it's time to let your inner geek out to play. And, you know, that's what the ESO Network represents. It's a family of shows that represent everything that's geek and you can find us of course at esonetwork.com
3: yeah the flopcast is uh my little corner of the eso network and yeah our show tends to be probably the silliest goofiest show on the network i think i hope that's what we're striving for uh and and you strive
0: for it well you aim (laughs) high
3: we do tend to talk about chickens a lot for no particular reason but beyond that it's a lot of pop culture based uh, especially stuff from the 70s and 80s uh, 70s 80s nostalgia talk a lot of music talk i think uh, we talk more about music than probably most of the other shows on the network we go out to concerts all the time and report about them on the show I'm only half of the Flopcast because I have a wonderful co-host who who people tend to like way more than me. Uh, That's Cornflake, and she's the best, so you get to hear Cornflake when you tune in as well. It's not just me whining about the monkeys every week. And you can find us at Flopcast.net.
0: Guys, it's so great to have you on the show, part of the program, and of course, right here, a part of the pop culture cosmos.
2: ESO seven years of keeping
3: it really geeky the earth station one podcast
2: it's time to let your inner geek out to play you can find them at www.earthstation1.com or up on itunes stitcher radio or wherever fine podcasts are found peace and we're done
0: And we're back with the show. And once again, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. It's week seven upon us here in the NFL, almost halfway through. And it's really exciting. It's been a great season so far. Got a lot of things to talk about when it comes to week seven in the NFL. And I couldn't do it without my good friend. He is the guru <laughs> of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You got to check it out today. On everywhere you can on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. That's available now on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over thirty different podcast outlets. It is my good friend. It is the man who's ready for this weekend to beat another opponent senseless in fantasy football. It is Tyler Baker.
4: What's going on, man? Hey, dude. Happy to be on the show, man. I, I love the pop the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's always good to be on.
0: I think it's just my charm and ingratiating with it. Just oh, absolutely. It, that just keeps bringing you back. It just keep Ab- bringing it back. Absolutely. You know, when we ever get around to it, man, we got to record one of those happy, upbeat promos that we got to just get that would just drive millions and millions <laughs> onto our channel. Just, you know, one of those happy, make sure you come out and listen to our show at the <laughs> Fantasy Football Beater Podcast. Anyway, got to have that happy, upbeat voice when you do it, too
4: yeah well unfortunately now that I'm living on on the East Coast we're always recording around midnight so it's like at the end of the day and I'm dragging and I'm sure it sounds like I have zero enthusiasm but I am actually happy to be on the show
0: all right sounds good sound good sounds good my friend but yes one of these days we'll get you early we'll get you cool. right as you drink like a big old mug of coffee to slip it all down and get you all wired in there (laughs) and you'll be able to cut that promo there and like i said millions will come in when we start playing it on a pop culture cosmos i love it but it is going to be a great weekend in the nfl first off before i torture you at the end with some really good stuff that i like to talk about which is you know always kind of amusing here and there what are some of the things that are going on this weekend that you're focusing on in week seven in the NFL? And it all starts with Le'Veon Bell being a no-show, mm-hmm. and we don't even know when he's coming to Pittsburgh, if it's anytime soon.
4: Yeah, a report came out about a month ago that he was supposed to sh- uh, come in on the bye week and then and then show up uh for week eight pittsburgh is on a bye this week um it hasn't happened yet that doesn't mean that he can't show up next week and start playing um i would expect it will be week 10. he he has to show up by week 10 otherwise uh this whole year doesn't count for him um so i would expect he shows up um and i would expect he's going to be in pretty good shape um he's a veteran he knows how to train um i just don't know what it's going to look like and i don't know you you know what i would really like to be in the locker room or in the team meetings when he actually shows up i would like to uh, i'm kind of curious as to how he's going to be welcomed back but uh he's an elite talent and i'm sure he will be welcomed back and um you know maybe sometime soon we'll see Le'Veon bell on a football field it sure would be nice Yes, it sure would be because he's got such immense talent. I know
0: on our previous show that you got to check out on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, you and I discussed in detail about him, whether it's him or the Pittsburgh offense that really has created his his whole stature and where he's at right now. Because I know we talked about the success of James Conner. It looks like they're already you know, all set to go ahead and, and move on from yeah. Levy and Bell because with, with James Conner doing so well, it makes it much easier to go ahead and, and have him go and, and just find somewhere else in free agency.
4: It does. This offense is just good. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year, and uh, they have some of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, James Conner looks this year, a lot better than he did last year. When he did play last year, he did not look good. Looks like he's got his power and his speed back. He is definitely a different running style, and there have been several uh, runs that I've seen this year where if Le'Veon Bell would have gotten the ball in that situation, he would have gotten more out of it. But Connor has done enough to be a very effective running back, and uh for what they would have to pay Le'Veon Bell as opposed to what they're paying Connor, it's night and day. And with Big Ben making all the money and Antonio Brown making all the money. They just can't afford uh, late Le'Veon Bell, so um, I would assume that they're going to get him back and and get as much out of him as they can. And I'm sure Le'Veon Bell uh, really wants to get on the football field and show what he can do because uh, every other GM in the league is going to be looking and uh, seeing what he what he does on the field and trying to balance that with what he could uh you know the drama that that he could possibly bring and the price that they're gonna have to pay for him
0: but that gets me to one question if okay let's say you're you're responsible for running the pittsburgh steelers and he comes there do you go ahead and you uh play him and work him hard like a, uh you know it's just far as far mm-hmm. as putting him out there for for being an integral part of the pittsburgh offense Knowing that it's basically an audition for him moving somewhere else,
4: the Pittsburgh Steelers are concerned with winning football games, and I believe that's going to be their focus. And in any way that Le'Veon Bell can help, that's that's what they're going to do. They want to win football games. Uh, you know, showing him off for the rest of the league. We we already know who Le'Veon Bell is. Um, so. Um, I would, I think it's going to be somewhat of a mix, uh, at least for him coming back, kind of easing him in, you know, um, having some packages where James Conner is the running back and of course having some packages for Lev Bell. Um, But I think it's going to be a mix. And like we talked about last time we got together, I think it's going to take a couple of weeks uh, for us to really see what that, uh, what that balance is going to look like between Bell and Conner.
0: Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Episodes are available right now on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. My friend, week seven looks pretty mm-hmm. good in the NFL. We've got a not, lot of nice matchups that are out there. Anything that you are seeing that, that fantasy, phoneers, uh, fantasy football owners need to focus on in order to to go ahead and make sure that they are well, you know, well ahead of the game, and because right now it is now transitioning into the middle part mm-hmm. and closing in on the latter part of the fantasy football season very quickly. We talked about last week on our previous episode of the PCC Multiverse possible trade targets that people need to be interested in. What other things that people need to be focusing on? Injuries that might have happened over the weekend. Or maybe some positional changes that you need to look at in order to gain an advantage right now in the fantasy football world.
4: Uh, well, the big news this week is that Devonta Freeman has gone on injured reserve, so he's done for the year. He could come back, but by the time he comes back, uh, fantasy uh, fantasy football will be done with. And honestly, uh, the way it's looking, the Falcons' season is pretty much done. I mean, they're they're what one and four, one in five, and five, and they just don't look good. Um, unfortunately, too many, too too many injuries to that defense really just took the the backbone out, out of out of that defense. And uh, losing Devonta Freeman is is going to hurt the team. But the rookie Ito Smith has uh, done really well uh, with the touches that he's gotten. Uh, they've shown that they like to use him in the passing game. And Tevin Coleman hasn't necessarily impressed. Um, so for fantasy purposes, Edo Smith is certainly worth a pickup in your league. Um, I have a couple leagues where um, um I've got Buck Allen kind of at the bottom of my roster, kind of that I I like to have one roster spot where I just kind of switch guys out, you know, kind of see uh, you know, kind of speculative ads. And uh I found myself dropping a lot of Buck Allen and picking up uh Edo Smith um because that defense is pretty bad, and uh, Matt Ryan is going to throw the ball, and they're going to have to do things on offense to stay in games, and I think, Edo you know, Smith might be a really good pickup. Um, also, um, in fantasy football, there's, there's quite a few uh, fantasy football managers that are trying to deal with the bye weeks, so they're going to be dropping players, so keep an eye on uh who guys uh who the other managers in your league are dropping and see if maybe there's some there's some there's some pickups there um i do like we talked about last week maybe some quarterbacks moving forward that uh, could increase in value i think russell wilson is one of those quarterbacks uh for a couple of reasons um coming into the year uh we all agreed that seattle's offensive line was the worst in the league And it's really not. Um, I'm not going to say they're, they're very good, but they haven't been bad. And, uh, Doug Baldwin came back last week and he didn't look hobbled and, uh, they have a buy this week. So you might be able to get some shares of Doug Baldwin, uh, or Russell Wilson. Um, I think that that, that, that team is going to improve. They're still at three and three, so they're still in the hunt. And, um, the Seahawks always seem to like, you know, turn it on. And um, I think coming out of the bye, there's a really good chance that uh, Rus- Russell Wilson is probably going to outperform what, what we think he is. Or at least at the beginning of the season, what I thought he was. Um, so those are a couple um, uh, guys there that you might want to be looking at. Um, but just be careful of the, I like to call it fool's gold. Okay, so I play in a league and only one league that <laughs> the guys that I'm playing against are pretty terrible. It's kind of this old school fantasy football league and every single week guys are going to pick up whoever was the best performer on the waiver wire and play them the next week. And and I know that somebody this week is going to pick up Albert Wilson and put him in their lineup and expect to get a couple touchdowns and and 200 yards receiving. Just doesn't happen like that. So um one thing I, that I like that we do on on this show is to just try to calm people down. Remember when Fitzmagic was going crazy, and we were saying, "Hey, you know, temper expectations." Jameis Winston's going to come back. This is kind of an outlier. There's a lot of outliers uh, in fantasy football. So, um, but looking at the overall picture, I think will help fantasy players be more consistent in the points that their teams are going to put up every week
0: breaking it all down for everyone out there it is tyler baker from the fantasy football Patriot podcast my friend as always it's so great to have you on the show each and every week i personally like having you on and hearing your thoughts on the radio i don't know you like that private stuff better on the fantasy football facebook group and all that social media stuff (laughs) that's your call my friend not mine so great to have you here so great to have you part of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast and also right here on the PCC Multiverse.
1: If you're tired of sifting
0: through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your
1: love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
0: And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald coming right back at you with Josh Peterson if you can at all, please nominate our show, the Pop Culture Cosmos show or the PCC Multiverse, or even both, Pop Culture Cosmos slash PCC Multiverse. Today at the Discover Pods Awards, we have the links available on our social media pages. They're now pinned to the top of our Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and humanic Media. You just go in, if you vote for us for the Best Society and Culture podcast or Best Entertainment Or the best overall podcast of 2018. We truly appreciate you taking the time to doing so. It is a big deal for us. Last year we were nominated for it and we thought it was just an awesome thing and we'd hopefully get a chance to do it again. Again, it's the Discover Pods nominations. Please, if you want to get a chance to vote for our show, we will truly appreciate it. My friend, you've got an awesome thing going on with Humanity Media. Come on, we need to hear the info. We need an update. What is going on
2: with everything at Humanican Media? Uh, good question. Honestly, I was supposed to post a new episode of Topicocalypse today and I completely forgot, so you have to forgive me on that one. It'll be up first thing tomorrow. Subject matter is something I don't remember, but for now, you can go to uh, the Humanican Media <laughs> 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 Pot, ch- Check out uh, Topic Topicocalypse on iTunes and you can uh, listen to our latest episodes uh some of them featuring trash talking and psychology of it and uh education and a whole bunch of other cool stuff so definitely check that out i appreciate it oh my gosh and i thought i was bad trying to remember all of our episodes my gosh dog we are at i want almost to 80 episodes of topic oculus like i've i I, there was a time when i could recall everything we've talked about but now i really just i can remember like three things (laughs) We're at 90 on this show and 111 on the others.
0: So that's a lot of podcasting we've been doing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But you can catch his show, The Topicocalypse Show, which I've been on a few. It's an awesome show to be a part of. Every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. My friend, two last things before we head on out. We're going to be talking about Star Citizen and Akira. Just want to give a big thank you also as well to... Mike Faber of the ESO Network and Kevin Eldridge of the Flopcast. You got to check out their awesome shows that they have each and every week on the ESO Network or any of the other podcast outlets. And our good friend Tyler Baker, got to thank him for stopping by from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast and check out his show each and every week on the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. Tell you what, I know you didn't really have the great lowdown, and, and I always don't have all of the latest and greatest information on it either, so I had to do some research. But it is something that every now and then just pokes a hole into the news stream and just gives you updates on what's going on with this very ambitious game, so to speak, because it's a game that combines elements of space travel, space fighting with other uh, other spaceships and things of that nature. And then also trying to go ahead and and almost like a Star Wars show where you battle on the ground with, and also with, from a first person standpoint, fighting off battalions and things of that nature. If you want to get a chance, we have been showing on the Game Source Facebook page, we've been showing off the latest trailers from Star Citizen because they recently had a convention, which is kind of unusual for a game that's not even technically out yet, which is only in certain forms of alphas and things of that nature at this point in time. I think we're up to Alpha 3.3 when it went out to some of the test servers. Your thoughts on this game, my friend, because they're not a private entity working on this game. Based off the revenue from another game or whatnot, this is done all by crowdfunding, and they're now up to 195 million, getting close to 200 million sometime in the next couple of months. Here, your thoughts on Star Citizen? It's a very ambitious game. It's got a all-star cast including Mark Hamill, Gillian Anderson, Gary Oldman, Mark Strong, Liam Cunningham, John Reese Davis, Ben Mendelsohn, Henry Cavill, and and even more. Is this game going to be able to live up to its expectations? Is this game too ambitious? This game is going to be wildly successful and a big time awesome game, or it's going to be a massive failure like nothing we've ever seen before.
2: I think we're we're speaking in hypotheticals that are assuming that this game is ever going to be released. The the cinematic is beautiful, and like I, you know, we talked a bit before the show. You're telling me how it's not just a flight sim; it's a, also has a first person shooter element to it and that's cool i could get on board with that if it's just a you know a space flight game i don't do those i'm not good at them i'm not coordinated enough so uh, i was really stoked on the trailer until that was the only bit of gameplay that i saw as for the actors like this is kind of uh it's kind of huge and a a game that has that much star power is being crowdfunded is even more amazing to me so uh you know it's all you're you know, we were talking about how much money they raised and they raised quite a bit. So I would hope that they would make this game, but who knows if we're ever going to see it, you know? And 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 then you have to worry about it's still a game this big if it gets as much momentum as people thinks it, think it's going to get. Uh, you, you still have the whole thing with, um, you know, is a developer going to pick it up and what's going to happen with that? Like, creating a game is not just going... From the crowdfunding cycle to release, like there's a lot that goes on in between those things, especially a game of this caliber. Because who's to say they haven't recorded all the voice acting already? You know, they need to keep paying Mark Hamill and Mark Strong and those people. And I am definitely impressed by what I saw, but again, like video games, man, you don't know something like this. We it maybe it'll be released years from now. Maybe it'll be released soon. Maybe it might never be released. Uh, there, there's nothing. Nothing is ever set in stone with video games until it is. Well, the other reason why it just never stays
0: on the radar for us is because they don't promote it or don't update it through traditional methods. I mean, we don't see it at E3, we don't see it at Tokyo Game Show, we don't see it at the Paris Games Week, uh, we don't see it at PlayStation, at PSX, we don't see it at CES or any of those really. We only see updates from the actual company themselves, the site itself, and stuff like what went on this past weekend with uh, with Citizencon, is what they call it, which was a conference devoted to Star Citizen. So it's kind of weird, like I said, and the game is not even out yet, and they're already having conventions, which is it just tells you about the legions of fans that are already on board, but this is that's just hardcore fans that are willing to already contribute financially to it just imagine if it actually this this type of ambition ambitious game actually gets released upon to the wild what kind of really just individuals that can go out there because it really hasn't been put out and and shown off really to any extent to a casual marketplace so the casual gamer that's out there or the casual the individual that's out there that just goes ahead and plays games every two three or four you know times a year or maybe they just play fortnite Fortnite or whatnot they haven't really been introduced to star, star citizen because um, and i'll bet you bet you if i asked 10 casual gamers maybe two maybe three might know what star citizen is which really tells you there's so much love for it now just think of how big it could be of a success if it's just
2: an even a de- decent game that comes out Yeah, it's a good point, because every every game has its hardcore fan base. You know, a game like this, it surprises me that they're not doing more to market it to a bigger audience just because of the star power it has. Like, if it didn't have any of these actors in it, that'd be a whole different story. Like, I could totally see it going under the radar. But if they finish it and it ends up being good, find a stage, find something. Don't just put out internet videos, because this could be huge, but... Again, you know, like you said, it's just how are they going to market it to, to mass audiences and not just to the hardcore fan base.
0: This hybrid of action game where it looks like it's going to be a big time narrative driven game combined with a lot of action out there in space, but also on the ground in a first person mode. It has me really excited that this could be something that can compete with the Call of Duties, with the battlefields, with with so many others of these these same type of ilks that we are so used to seeing one after another, after another, after another, year after year after year, Star Citizen can come in there and really show them what it's all about. And I hope so, because so many people have invested so much money into this game. I'm hoping that for once in the video game marketplace, it can truly pay off well and that we can all become a true Star Citizen. What are your thoughts on Star Citizen? Are you excited for it? Do you even know about it? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go ahead and start putting some things out there on Star Citizen every now and then on our Popculture Cosmos and Game Source Facebook pages so we can educate you a little more and get you up to speed on what's going on with Star Citizen. Josh, before we head on out, it's been a great episode, but. Got to talk to you about Akira, its 35th anniversary here. Such an outstanding film. And basically the reason why, in my opinion, you got to think of anime as a just a true form of art and a genre in and of itself that bleeds so much uh, passion, so much great storytelling and narrative-driven, narrative-driven concepts. Your thoughts on Akira as it hits 35, and are you going to get that box set? That retails now right around 130 bucks. How excited are you now that Akira
2: is 35 years old? I'm excited that that it's left the legacy that it has. I wish that more people would watch it though. You know, when I recommend it to people, they either don't watch it or it takes some months and months to watch it and they still don't understand it. But someone I showed it to recently actually really liked it. They're like, I didn't know anime was this good. So that's cool. You know, as for Akira, like that was. I'm pretty sure, I, you know, I watched Dragon Ball Z first as the first anime I saw, but uh, Akira was the first like gritty anime that I ever watched, and it was kind of the gateway drug for me, if you will, that made me want to dive into a lot, a lot of the other series that are out there. I love the movie, honestly. Like, it's probably in my top ten favorite movies. As a kid, I, I got the opportunity to see it, and I, you know, I own the collector edition Blu-ray that came out. I don't want to say five years ago, but. Akira is amazing. The writing's great. The animation's great. And it's, a, it's very emotional too. And That's something you don't get a lot in modern anime. But I ask you this, what are your thoughts on Akira?
0: To me, it defines what anime is all about. A true work of art in and of itself. Uh, if there's any bit of anime that anybody asks me, okay, if, if I'm not familiar with anime. Where should I go to first? I say, go to Akira. But the only thing is, I've also told you this. Once you go to Akira, it's hard to appreciate to the fullest extent anything else like that because you've seen the greatest uh, that I think anime has to offer. It's so hard to put anything else near or or at its level, in my opinion, because even with stuff like what you talk about with Dragon Ball Z, Cowboy Bebop, and so much others, it's hard to even get close, in my opinion, to the wonders that Akira represents because it is just so well done. It's just so good, and it just is so appealing, and it has aged so well over the course of 35 years that I think there's nothing else that compares to it within the anime genre. One last thing to ask you, my friend, when it comes to Akira, there is still in possible production at some point in time a reimagining of Akira. Your thoughts on doing that, your thoughts on if that should happen, take place, I'm not a big fan of it, and I just think it would send a bad sign for them to complete it, to do it, because I don't think it could be anywhere near as successful as the anime. And I also think it could also soil the name of the actual movie itself and lead others away from actually ever watching or experiencing
2: the great Akira movie. See, I want it to happen, and I don't want it to happen. I more don't want it to happen. I want it to happen because if it gets put in the hands of a good filmmaker, and it's not all CG, like um, you know, like a speed racer or whatever, which is actually not that bad on the, the fourth or fifth watch. But part of me is also thinking that it's going to sound bad, but audiences just aren't smart enough these days to understand the cure. I barely understood it when I saw it at, at age 12. So I think it's one of those storylines that is so complex. And it's something, a formula they've been trying so hard to repeat in modern animes, just throwing these like weird storylines out there and hoping that everyone's like oh i don't get it but it sounds really smart so we're just going to say that this is good people have been trying to copy akira for years and you see it in all kinds of modern anime i don't think that it would translate well into uh, a live action thing what's that old acronym that they used to say in uh, filmmaking kiss keep it simple stupid that's correct I would love to see it happen, but my fear would be that people wouldn't understand it. And like you said, it would maybe turn people off of the whole thing in general.
0: I agree with you. I think it's playing with fire, but I also think they're trying to recapture the magic. And it just when film companies try to go ahead and reimagine animated features into a live action format, it doesn't always work. Yes, it works with some of the Disney properties that they're going through now, and they liked what happened with the Jungle Book and, and whatnot so much that they're now going ahead and doing their process with Dumbo, Aladdin, and the list goes on and on. I'm just saying you're playing with fire and at some point in time you're going to get burnt. And it, it could be with something like Akira because that movie is just so good, so memorable, so outstanding that I don't think it should be tarnished in such a fashion. But we'll wait and see. Hopefully we'll be proven wrong and actually have something good on the screen to represent Akira well because Akira deserves it. And after 35 years, just goes to show you the lasting power of, of akira and how brilliant it truly is for the anime genre what are your thoughts on akira do you love it as much as we do do you really appreciate it now that it's in its 35th year or have you even seen it yet and would like to or not like to let us know Popculturecosmos cosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop Culture cosmos humanica media and game source on facebook and twitter as well
2: my friend it's been another great episode any last thoughts on the way out Yeah. On next week, if we have some time, I do want to talk about The Haunting of Hill House because I got to the end of that yesterday and I love it, man. Uh, Absolutely. The writing was great. The cinematography was great. Uh, If you have a chance and you want to hear us, uh, you want to check out the show before we talk about it, do it. But uh, yeah, I do. I do definitely want to say some words about it. Then we'll say it on the Monday show, man.
0: Hopefully you'll be able to elaborate why it's such a can't miss project and another great show from Netflix. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.